with our eyes closed. Before I pray, can we just sing verse 2? Lord, we desire your presence here. We seek your face, Lord, with a desperate heart and mind. Pour out your Holy Spirit to us. Give us the passion to worship my first love. Focusing on the line, to worship my first love. And then let us sing, Emmanuel, Emmanuel, we need your presence with us because if his presence is not here with us, everything that we do is in vain. So with our voices as a church, let us just be free in our worship before God. Let's say, Lord, we desire your presence here. We need your presence with us. Let's make it our prayer and our worship before God. Lord, we desire your presence here. Lord, we desire your presence here. We seek your face, Lord. We seek your face, Lord. The desperate heart and mind. For our Holy Spirit. For our Holy Spirit to us. Give us the Dear pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? 
why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. Deep calls to deep, in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Father, we declare today that you are our Lord and you are our Savior and God, that you are my God. Without your presence here with us, everything we do is in vain, O Lord. Help us to turn back to our first love. Our faith has gone dry. We have chosen our feelings, our emotions over faith. We choose today to declare justice and victory in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray against every attack of the enemy in Jesus' name. We cancel and bind the attack of the enemy right now in the name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names. And God, as I, I pray, as I transition now to the message, I pray, Lord, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all those who are listening of our hearts, O oh God, will be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We love you, Lord. We need you right now. If your presence is not here, everything is in vain, Lord. We need you today. More than yesterday, more than last week. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and I pray. And God's people pray. Amen. 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 Hello, church. Uh, it's good to be here today. Uh, what a powerful song that we did, the last song. Uh, we're going to come back to it at the end of service. And today, I would like for us to really open up our hearts, uh, really ask God to give you an open heart to hear the words, to hear the, uh, hear the message that God has in store for us this afternoon. Uh, with that, we are now in Job series part 14. We are coming close to the end. And the title of today's message is called, Why Must I Suffer? Why Must I Suffer? Job series 14. And I want to begin with the scripture today. It's found in Job chapter 13, verse 15. And then the next passage I'm going to go to is Job 36, 15. So very easy, 15, 15, the verses. And then the first part, Job 13, 15, is Job speaking. And then the second part, Job 36, 15, is Elihu. Elihu is a friend that I haven't got to, but he is a person that speaks. He speaks the right things. He's the only friend. He's the only one that is not destroyed and rebuked by God, right? Eliphaz, Beldad, Zophar, they do. But then Elihu is the one that is not rebuked by God. So he, Job 36, 15 is by Elihu. So let's begin with Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. I'll say it again. Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. The words of Job. And in Job 36, 15, Elihu says this. But those who suffer... He delivers in their suffering. I'll say it again. But those who suffer, he delivers in their suffering. He speaks to them in their affliction. 
But those who suffer, he delivers in their suffering. He speaks to them in their affliction. So with the question that I want to begin in this message is this. Is there a purpose to my suffering? Is there a purpose to my suffering? And the answer is this. There was and there is a purpose to your suffering as a Christian. It is not meaningless. In the midst of your pain, remember that God is with you and that God is in you. Some people believe that God does not ordain pain in my life, that God is outside of suffering. But we learn from the book of Job. We learn through the life of Jesus Christ. We learn from the lives of these apostles and the disciples that suffering, we learn through Job, that he does, that God does ordain pain and suffering in our lives. So today, I would like for us to know him intimately. I would like for us to know the one who ordains my suffering, the God who is in my suffering, the God who is with me in my suffering, the one who walks with me, the one who carries me in my trials and in my suffering. And what we can learn from the book of Job is this, from the life of Job, that there is meaning and purpose to the suffering, to the trials that we face every day in our lives. And boy, sometimes this life, yes, it gets very difficult and it is hard. Your trials are not random. Your trials are not meaningless. And your trials are not without purpose. Your trials are meaningful. Your trials, there is meaning behind the trials and the suffering that you are going through. And it has purpose because God has, he is with us and he has ordained the pain and the suffering that we are facing today. That everything good and the suffering and the trials that we face as a Christian that God, he walks with us, that he is with us, that he is in us. That there will always be purpose in the things that you are going through right now, today in your life. God is always with you in the midst of your suffering. And I want to go to our main passage, our third main passage. And we're going to dissect this passage, which is found in 1 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to focus on verse 6 to 9. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 to 9. And it says this, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's begin with point number one. Your trials are short-lived. Your trials are short-lived. It is not forever. Take a look at verse 6. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Why? Though now for a little while, little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Peter here is reminding us, he's reminding us, the readers, 
He's reminding his audience that we live in a broken, a broken world. And in this life, you will have, you will face trials and suffering, and you will face many sufferings and face many persecutions. There will be broken relationships. There will be broken promises, broken dreams, miscarriages, things that happen in our lives. The pain and the suffering that we face, broken family. Peter here is reminding us that as followers of Christ, do not expect everything to be carefree. If someone is teaching you as a Christian, if you join this lifestyle, if you join this life, if you join your life with Christ, if you give your life to Christ, expect blessings after blessings after blessings. But sometimes blessings come in disguise. Like Mary, you who are most blessed, but what was her blessing? To carry the Messiah. She wasn't even married then. Especially the rumors and people that would speak about how she can get in a relationship, how she can get physically, a physical with a, with a man that's not even her husband. Her reputation being ruined. We see that blessing, it comes in, in, in times of suffering and pain and trials. And we understand that suffering and trials can be a blessing to our lives as Christians. As Christians, do not expect everything to be stress-free. Especially Christians. Because even Christ himself, he said in John 15, John 16, and even in Matthew 10, what does Jesus say? He says, in this world, you will have trouble and persecution. Jesus goes on, he says, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they hated me, you will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And that's the promise that is given. That as Christians, that our lives will not be carefree. It will not be stress-free. Take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8-9. It says, We do not want you to be uninformed. Do not be misinformed. Brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure. Does that sound like it's easy? No. Paul here, he's just under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despair of life itself. Verse 9. Indeed, we felt we have received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Paul here, he underwent tremendous trial and suffering to the point where he said he received the sentence of death. But what does he do in the end? This happened, why? So that I might not depend, we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. And he praises God. You see it all throughout scripture. Look at Psalm 38 verse 4. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Take a look at verse 8, Psalm 38 verse 8, a few verses later. I am exhausted and completely crushed, meaning overwhelmed. My groans came, come from an anguished heart. And we see these faithful men and women 
who underwent tremendous trials and suffering and pain. Expect suffering. Expect trials. Expect difficulties. Your trials are short-lived. Rejoice because it's not forever. It is temporary. Everything that we do in this life, the pain that you're experiencing right now, or the pain that you experienced in the past, it is not forever. It is short-lived. Therefore, endure. It's a promise given to us. Rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. And as we go on in the points, there's hope. Hope is given. More hope is given. Let's look at point number two. Your trials have meaning. Your trials have meaning. It is not meaningless. Please repeat after me. Your trials have meaning. Say, my trials have meaning. Verse 7. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Lessons we can learn from Job that there is meaning and purpose to the suffering and the trials that I'm facing in this life. I would like for us to pause and stop and reflect right now on the suffering that you're going through or the suffering that you underwent when you're young or the suffering and the pain of trial that you're facing today. And I want you to put it in perspective, in its right perspective. It is not random and it is not meaningless and it is not without purpose. There is purpose to what you're going through right now. There is always purpose to your trials. As a Christian, God is always with you in the midst of your suffering. In trials, we, we, see, we must see God with the right set of lenses. It's like if I go and... Can I buy your glasses? I try driving these... Whoa! I go, okay, guys. I'm going to take you guys. I put you guys in a van. I go, boom. A lot of times we put on the wrong set of lenses and we see God with the wrong set of eyes. Thank you. We must see God accurately and biblically. We must see God with the right set of lenses. Because you have an enemy that seeks to destroy your life every single day. You have a target on your back, target on your head, target everywhere. An enemy that seeks to destroy your faith just like Job. We learn from the story of Job that Satan comes, he brings all this pain, all the wrong things that happened in his life. And when we realize that after the pain, after the suffering, and while we're going through trials and suffering, we are left with two options, and that's it. It's simple, two options. Number one, we will either love God more, or we will end up, number two, resenting God even more. And I have a question for you. In your pain and in your suffering and the trials that you're facing, will you hate God through your pain? Or will you love him even more through all the pain that you're facing right now? 
Pain will either make us bitter or will make us better in Christ. Pain will test us to the core of my, my real faith in God. Is my faith real in God? Pain will either it will transform us closer to the heart of God or pain will destroy our faith in God. The suffering that you're facing right now, is it drawing you closer to the heart of God or is it drawing you further away from the heart of God? And if you believe right now as we're sitting here, that if you believe that God is not in control, that God, He doesn't really care about me, He doesn't really think about me, the words when He says that He loves me in the scripture, that it doesn't really apply to me because I'm not worth it. I'm not deserving of His love. Then you are right in thinking that because then life is unfair. Then life has no purpose to my suffering. It has absolutely no purpose to the suffering that I'm feeling, that I'm going through right now. If that's my reality, if, God, if you believe with your heart that God is not in control and that God doesn't care about your life, then there is, you are absolutely right. There is no purpose to the suffering that you're facing. But if you are a fighter, and if you are, and you are a warrior in Christ, and you are fighting the good fight, and you have not given up, and you are continually seeking Christ day in and day out, and you believe with all your heart and with your soul, your nefesh, that God is good, and God is kind, and God is patient, and He is loving, He is never changing, He will never change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you say to yourself, God, even though right now, in this situation, I may not fully comprehend and understand what I'm facing, I will continue to endure and to hold on to you and I'll continue to trust you, then your faith will be renewed. Just like verse 7, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold. Your trials have meaning. What's the meaning behind that your faith will become genuine, to prove the genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold. Job says, though he slay me, yet I will hope in him, I will trust in him. And we know the song, though you slay me, yet I will praise you. Though you take from me, I will bless your name. Though you ruin me, still I will worship. Sing a song to the one who's all I need. Sing a song to the one who's all I need. I come, God. I come. I return to the Lord, the one who's broken, the one who's torn me apart. You struck down to bind me up. You say you do it all in love, that I might know you in your suffering. My heart and flesh may fail. The earth below give way. But with my eyes, with my eyes, I'll see the Lord lifted high upon that day. Behold the lamb that was slain. And I'll know every tear was worth it all. Though tonight I'm crying out, let this cup pass from me now. You're still more than I need. You're more than enough for me. You're enough for me. Pastor Piper, in quoting, he says, Not only is your affliction momentary, not only is all your affliction light in comparison to eternity and the glory there, but all of it is totally meaningful. 
Every millisecond of your pain, every millisecond of your pain, I'm going to say it again, every millisecond of your pain from the fallen nature or fallen man, every millisecond of your misery in the path of obedience is producing a peculiar glory you will get because of that. I don't care if it was cancer or criticism. I don't care if it was slander or sickness. It wasn't meaningless. It's doing something. It's not meaningless. Of course you can't see what 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 it's doing don't look to what is seen when your mom dies when your kid dies when you got cancer at 40 don't say that's meaningless it's not it's working for you an eternal weight of glory therefore do not lose heart but take these truths day by day focus on them preach them to yourself every morning get along with god and preach his word into your mind until your heart sings with confidence that you are new and care for. Verse 7, proving the genuineness of your faith to be tested, to know who I really am. And with point number two, I have a few sub points for us, and these are important. We're going to go with and we're going to uh, go through each one, starting with letter A. Again, what was point number two? Your trials have meaning. So point letter A is this, reveals the true condition of your faith. It helps you assess how genuine your faith is. How real is your faith? You know, it's funny because I forgot to bring the bottle at home, so I asked a member to come and pour out this thing. Don't worry, it's not clean water, but this is supposed to be clean, right? If you leave it for like like a day, everything settles down, and you can't even see it. And I leave it on my desk at home to remind me. Everything looks good when there is no shaking. And that's what happens to us. And this is the analogy. When I am shaken to the core of who I really am, I realize how dirty I am, right? We think that we've changed, we've turned 180. Yes, we have. But that doesn't mean that we are sin-free, that we still have temptations, we still make mistakes, and we still fall short of the glory of God. And when we're shaken to the core of who we are, when we get angry, when, we, when there are situations that happen, we realize, and we realize, and we see all the things that we try to suppress under the carpet, that we try to suppress, we try to hide from people. We realize everything is showing up once again, again, and again. And we realize that we are inadequate that we are all in need of a savior to rescue us. And you know, there was a time when I lived in Asia, and this is what I felt. You know, when I'm home with my church and people, it's good. But when I was by myself, when social media wasn't that big back in the day, when there are literally at times where I can do things where people aren't watching, and I was shaken to the core of who I am, my faith was tested, tested, tested. There were times where I would go on the roof, like because we had, in my apartment there was a roof and you could see the view and it was a childhood apartment that I grew up in and I was, sometimes I would do exercises there and sometimes I would get so lonely, right? And I didn't even have internet at that time. It's like a little bit more on the farmer side. To get to church, I took take three hours to finally, when I found the church, it took me three hours to commute one way and to come back. But before that, I tried different churches, like Korean churches here and there. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I tried, and it was hard. It was a little difficult to fully understand. 
finally found a church. I got committed and I went on a mission trip. And from that mission trip, I got the call to go to seminary. Got everything with the confirmation, everything. And there are times where we are tested to the core of who we are. There were times when I felt so dirty and unworthy, when I was going through trials and suffering, and I was tested to see if my faith was genuine. And I can tell you today with my testimony, I didn't take a single drink, I didn't take any single cigarette or anything because it was a decision that I made to God. And I proved to myself that my faith in God was genuine. And it wasn't this fake image that I was showing to people because in, at home it's easy because there's people, there's pe- people who will support you. But what happens when you're alone, when there's no sense of accountability? Is your faith genuine? And only in my suffering can I realize if my faith is real. If you've undergone through suffering and you've come out on top and you still love God today more than you did before the suffering, then your faith is becoming greater than gold. It is being proven, the genuineness of your faith. A lot of times, people trick themselves thinking that they are greater than they who they really are. They hype themselves up. I know my weaknesses. I know my condition. I know who I am. And every time I'm shaken to the core, every time I realize I fall short of the glory of God and that I need him more than ever. And that's the lesson that I learned when I live by myself. That when there's no shaking, all trees look strong. Even with the storm that happened, I remember I was driving uh, like over a month ago where saw a tree, a huge tree with a thick root and literally the root was ripped out of the ground and right next to it there's like the skinny tree and it survived and I'm like, how can a tree, so it's not based on how you look. It's not how strong we look. It's about our foundation. It's your foundation in Jesus Christ. Your foundation is in Jesus Christ. When you are shaken to the core of who you are, you will be, you'll stay found grounded in the word of God. If you stay grounded in the word of God, then we will not be shaken. Even though there will be shaken, we may lose a few branches, a few leaves here and there, but our foundation will be strong. We will remain strong in where God has called us to stand. And we realize that We can't judge by the book, by the cover. You judge it by the quality of their faith, their trust in their Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of times, old buildings that look run down, they're stronger. They're built stronger back then than people, contractors come and they use cheap materials and a few years it breaks down. Where is your foundation in God? The true condition of your faith. Suffering shakes us to the core of who we really are. Adversity doesn't just build your character. It reveals it. And I stole that quote. The actual quote is, adversity doesn't build our character. It reveals it, but I added just because I believe it does build our character, but it also reveals it. If we're grounded in Christ.
Suffering reveals, number one, who I really am. Number two, what I truly believe. And number three, who and what I am living for. So the question is, who are you? And the question is, what do you believe? And the question is, who and what are you living for? Suffering refines our faith. And what fire does to gold, suffering and trial does to our faith. It purifies it. It refines it. As fire purifies gold, it shows what it's really made out of. As it pushes all the impurity, as you, as you heat up the gold with fire, it, it takes all the impurities to the surface and things that need to be cut off and pruned and it will look ugly. When you're shaken, it will look ugly. But remember the analogy that I gave as we open the bottle, as the Holy Spirit continues to pour on us. It's like when you do, uh, when you do dishes at home and you get lazy, you just put it under the soap, you run the water and the water just let it run and, and it just cleans on its own. It's like that as we continually pour with the Spirit of God, with the love of God, the dirt comes out. It comes out. And we'll be cleansed every single day. And we'll become purified in Him. And as it comes out, our self-centeredness come out. Our doubt will come out. Our ugliness will come out. But it is necessary because it reveals the true condition of our helps you assess your walk, your true condition, the true condition of the faith that you have in God. Letter B, it brings priceless faith. Can we turn to our neighbor and say priceless faith? Far greater worth than God, as it says in verse 7. And letter C, it brings humility. Can we turn to our neighbor and say humility? 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10 is on the screen. It says, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Suffering brings humility better than anything else. Letter D brings hope. Brings hope. Romans 5, 3-8, Paul here, he goes on, he says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. I'll say it again, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The example that he gives in verse 6 is, you see at just the right time that when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for 
us. That's the hope that we have. As a Christian, as Christian men and women of God, that's the hope that we have. That while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. I was never justified on my own. But I am justified by his blood. The one who, the one who shed his blood. The one who died and lived for me. Suffered and died for me. And letter E, the last letter here in the sub point is, brings joy. Brings joy. Going back to verse 8, or 1 Peter chapter 1. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. You are filled with joy, even in the midst of the pain and the suffering that you're going through. We have what? Skipping letter A, what the true condition of your faith reveals. But we have what? It brings priceless faith, brings humility, brings hope, brings joy. Amen. What else more do we need? All these things that we have, it, can dis it disappears. Where is your mind? Where is your heart? Does it belong to Christ? That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. Everything that we have, the beautiful watch that Ronnie has, all that, it comes and goes. Ronnie's like smirking. He's like, yep, I know. That's right. All that are extra blessings, things that we have that God has given us. But in the end, at the end of the day, naked we come, naked we depart. This one life that we live, we will take that final breath one day here on earth. In a few years, in a few months, we don't know. That has been ordained by God. But until that day comes, we live faithfully. And what does it bring? Again, it brings priceless faith, brings humility, brings hope, brings joy. It reveals the condition, the true condition of your faith in your heart. Amen. And last point, number three. Your trials will help you reach your end well. Your trials will help you reach your end well. What do I mean by end? The definition of end. It means the object to which our faith is directed. The very thing, quote-unquote, thing we believed. The very thing, quote-unquote, thing we live for. The object to which our faith is directed. And as Christian women and men of God, take a look at verse 9. For you are receiving the end result of your faith. What is the end result of your faith? Can we all repeat and read that together? Ready? One, two, three. The salvation of your souls. The salvation of my life. Not just this life on this earth, but the life after. That we have eternity and hope with him. Through the salvation, through the blood of Jesus Christ. For you are receiving the end result of your faith. 
the salvation of your souls, the end result of your faith. Two sub points here. Letter A. Well, these are what we have. I just broke it down from the passage in verse 9. The first part that we get is we are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Yes, amen, in this life. Let it be the salvation of your soul. So really, there's no losing in this life. In this life, in the midst of my suffering, I win because I am receiving something that the world cannot give me. Inexpressible and glorious joy. Joy is a choice that we make. It's a joy that comes from God. Happiness comes from our happenings, from our situations. But joy is always with us, no matter what we are going through. Especially in the moment of our trials and our suffering and pain. And pain you will undergo. You will undergo pain. Suffering you will face. That is guaranteed. But even the life after, when this life ends, I have the greatest hope, the salvation of my life for all of eternity with Him. Not in the eternal fire. Doomed for all of eternity. But I hope in Jesus Christ, the salvation of your soul. If you really put everything in perspective, if you wake up and you realize that this Christian life is not about you, we have this watered-down theology that tells people a message every Sunday or, or whenever they give a message, even during missions, a message to make them feel better about themselves. There is no confronting the truth. Bunch of hypocrisy and, and speak of what the Bible says. It, it, they don't even speak what the truth of what the Bible says. They don't confront the truth. And we see so many things, so many watered-down theology. We're all doomed. We're all dying. This flesh will one day end. This life is not forever. We are finite beings. We're bleeding. And our, our end will come tomorrow, later, we don't know, in a few years. But we give this watered-down theology. Here's a Band-Aid for the gunshot that you're bleeding from. You go, oh, I should be okay. But you're bleeding and you're dying. We need to get to the root. The root is that our heart is crooked and beyond cure. Jeremiah 17. Who can understand your heart? We are a mess. All of us, we are filthy before God. None of us have what it takes to save ourselves. Watered Down Theology says, God ne never gives you more than you can bear. Oh, what a lie. Life itself is more than we can bear as human beings. But with Christ, it is always enough. It is always enough. Always enough. And I'm closing with this. Peter here, he reminds us 
in 1 Peter 1, 6-9. That suffering is the place where we encounter God. We learn from the book of Job that suffering is a place where we encounter God. You may say, God, why, why, why must I be going through this right now? Why is this happening to me? Why is this going on around me in my life during this season? What have I done wrong? But rejoice, as it says in 1 Peter 1. Rejoice. Rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. You are undergoing this trial because only then will Christ be revealed in your life. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith the salvation of your souls. What greater gift can we receive, can we ask for than the salvation of our souls? Remember today that your trials are short-lived. That your trials have meaning. That trials reveals the condition of your faith. That it brings priceless faith it brings humility, it brings hope, and it brings joy. And in the end, your trials will help you reach your end well in Jesus Christ. So with our eyes closed, can we just place our right hand to the left side of our chest, our heart representing our life, our being, our soul, our nefesh, Can we just encounter and seek the living God? We serve a living God. Not the God of the crucifix who remains on the cross or who remains in the grave, but He has risen. He has always risen and He will live forever for all of eternity. Put your life in its right perspective. Put on the right set of lenses. Your life is but a mere drop in the vastness of the ocean. Our life is short here today and gone tomorrow. A mist here today and gone tomorrow. Be reminded today. Remind yourself of the cross. The cross reminds us that we have hope in God's resurrection. And in Him, we can find the strength to endure the suffering and the trials that we are facing in this life. When you become a Christian, when you become a follower of Christ, your problems do not magically disappear. In fact, it may increase. Your home situation may not change. It may remain the same. The struggle that, you're, that you, you are going through with the sin 
and the temptation, it may remain the same. But you want to know what changes as you continue the good fight, as you fight the good fight, as you hold on to God every day more and more. Do you know what happens? Your heart changes. Your faith increases. You become closer to the heart of God. You reflect the image of God. And as you become stronger, we don't pray for an easy life, but we pray for the strength to endure. God does not use the remarkable. Remember this. Men and women of God, remember this. God does not use the remarkable. He does not search the remarkable. But God, he searches and he uses anyone who is willing and anyone who is available, anyone who is humble, anyone who repents, anyone who will turn to him and seek seek his face and say, here I am, Lord. Some of you, you are undergoing trials and you're undergoing suffering. You need to turn to God and put on the right set of lenses. You need to ask God to transform your mind and your heart and may your mouth praise Him and not curse Him. Do not curse Him like Joe's wife, but lift His name up high even more for He is above the storms. He is above your situation. He is the only one that could come and rescue us this one life that we have so right now with our eyes closed can we just take a moment to pray to God and let's pray to him let's seek and f- seek and follow and turn back to our first love let us pray together
reminded of the hope and the joy that we have in Jesus Christ. Without Him, we have nothing. Without His presence, everything is in vain. as our Lord and Savior for those who have not encountered the love the agape love of God when we come honest and vulnerable before Jesus Christ today may you surrender your life wholeheartedly to him today it may be daunting but if you come to him with humility he will hear us And here's a sad reality. The sad reality is that the reality of 1 Peter 1, the reality of the scripture, the word of God, it doesn't apply to us if we do not have Jesus Christ. If you do not give your life to Jesus Christ, all this hope is hopeless for us. We are lost in this life. We're here today and gone tomorrow, and we will never find eternity with him in heaven. That's the sad reality. And that's the truth. C.S. Lewis says this, to love is to be vulnerable. And it may be scary, it may be daunting. But if you want to make that decision today, to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please say this. Say, Jesus I realize I have sinned before you. I have committed so much wrong in my life. Jesus, I realize there is no love that is greater than your agape love. Say, Jesus, save me. Say, Jesus, rescue me. Say, Jesus, wash me. Say, Jesus, restore me. The scripture tells us to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That anyone whose name is not written in the book of life is thrown into the lake of fire. Turn to him. For Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that is me, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in me and him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. Romans 10 tells us to declare with your mouth 
that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe with your heart that God raised him from the dead and then you will be saved. And then you will be saved. Confess and profess with your mouth and you will be saved. Trust in Jesus Christ today. Receive his forgiveness. Lie down in his grace. Hope in him today. Father, I pray for every individual who have heard this message today. For those who are faithful men and women of God who are undergoing suffering and trials today. Thank you for reminding us through your word to find strength in you once again. Though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. And those who suffer, he delivers in their suffering. He speaks to them in their affliction. Thank you for encouraging us once again. Let us continue to be faithful in you. And for those who have just turned and have given their life and accepted Jesus Christ and have made that decision to follow you with all of their heart, I pray, God, that you encourage them and strengthen them. Watch over us as we live this one life and this one life well for your kingdom and for your glory. Thank you, God, for answering us today why I must suffer. Without suffering, without suffering, without suffering, we will never know the heart of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the priceless faith. Thank you for the humility. Thank you for the hope and the joy that we have and the salvation of our souls that we have in Jesus Christ. Before we close in prayer, can we all stand to our feet? I would like to invite the praise team to come up. Let's just sing. Can we all stand to our feet and let us sing. Lord, we desire your presence here. Let's sing the whole song together. Let's just worship God freely. Let's not stick to any schedule. Let's just worship him. Let's just worship him with all of our hearts. May we lift up our hands and worship him. Do not choose to keep your hands down. Proclaim with your body, with your heart and your mind that he is Lord, that we desire his presence here. Let's sing together. Lord, we desire your presence here. We seek your face, Lord, with a desperate heart in
your presence with us. Your trials are short-lived. Your trials have meaning. And your trials will help you reach your end well. Lord, Heavenly Father, my King, my Savior, thank you for the hope that I have in this life, not only in this life, but in the life after. We praise you, God, for without you, we will not be here today. We cannot stand before your holy presence and worship you if it is not for your Son, Jesus Christ, the blood that was shed for me, the blood that washed away all my sin, the life, for I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but it is Christ who lives in me. The life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who died for me. Because you live, oh God, I live. Because you live, this church, Deep Bruce Church lives. Thank you for the hope that we have. We love you. We praise you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, I pray. And God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. amen.